Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Flogger Presents, with your host, Andrew Wormsley. Hello everybody, welcome to the latest podcast. In this one we look at photography education in 2018. Is there still a place for university? The associated costs. We look at learning yourself versus the university. A little bit about teaching and all about the future. I hope you sit back, relax and enjoy. Thanks a lot. Welcome to the latest episode, everybody. Today I have with me Stephen from Fez Photography, and we're going to be discussing education, university, and all things learning-related. Hello, Stephen. Hello. Thank you for having me. Now, thanks a lot for uh, spending some time and joining in, because uh, I know you're a busy family man you're busy lecturing and obviously you have your hobbies as well so yeah yeah but no i'm 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 really excited to be involved so no it's good it's good i think for for anyone who doesn't know uh stephen's a lecturer uh, at a local college slash university um so mm-hmm. it's i thought it's a great person for everyone to listen to because he can give us insight that the rest of us might be interested in. Yeah. Um, well, I, I actually, um, one of the first things that I want to point out is before becoming the lecturer, I was a student only a year before and a mature student as well. So um, I've got that whole range of, of experiences. Yeah, I, I think this is a good thing. Um, it's quite it's quite unique else I know who's done it this way round uh, although I've done my degree as a mature student and gone into my area of expertise um, to meet someone who's in a, a photography who's done the uni course first and then carried on and obviously people have obviously loved you that much and you work that they've asked you to teach so I, I think it's going to be great and um I think they ju- they were just short staffed. <laughs> <laughs> you just ticked the right boxes, did you? Yeah. I- I'm sure it was much more than that in reality. Um, <laughs> so let let us kick off with. Um, I think one of the main things, the main questions, a lot of people are ever going to ask now is, is there a place for a degree? in 2018 and going forward mm, that's so that's say just in general rather yeah. than just photography in, in general yes i think um there's always going to be call for higher education um the the problem i think comes with the the old catch 22 situation the uh, catch 21 situation of uh needing experience and needing qualifications so you get qualified but then you're lacking experience 
or you've got experience but you don't have the right qualifications um, and that's something that needs to be addressed in the future but I think there's there'll always be a need for degrees because higher education changes the way that you you approach and the way that you think uh, in my eyes at, at least yeah I, I totally agree with you um the one thing I got from my degree was understanding more things in life, not um, realising not to take things on face value, just because even if it's your mum, your dad, someone you really trusted all your life told you something, I would dismiss anything and everything by everybody. Yeah. And research it myself. <laughs> Because you have to when you're doing your degree, don't you? Yeah, yeah. You you, you have to spend hours and hours and hours poring over um, research. And you know, I I that's the one thing I probably use more than anything else after my degree is is I'm always digging that little bit deeper um, and and trying to make sure that the information I, I've got is the right information and coming from the right sources. Yeah. So obviously, at degree level, it's um, there's only sort of certain trusted sources, shall we say, yeah. isn't there? Um, but in real life, you don't have these barriers. You, you just ask someone, um, I need my door fixing. You just go ask someone. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's very, very different, isn't it, real life? Yeah. And who's to say that you need to trust anyone and sometimes you can work things out yourself? yeah oh yeah i mean i've i've done so much more i mean I, i've never been a into cars or anything like that yeah. um but now i'm not afraid of doing a bit of reading um and, and reading around the subject and, and giving it a go um you know it, for, for me it was a, uh, a small win well for me it was a huge win but in, in the grand scheme of it it was a uh, a small win when I managed to change the headlights on the car, <laughs> but you know I never would have I never would have done it I never would have done it I would have just let somebody else do it. Um, but now I I will approach those things that I've not done before. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I know, I know when I started my degree, I was dumbfounded by my lack of knowledge. Uh, the way uh, the way you had to write. <laughs> yeah. To, to, I mean, this was in my third year. M my lect um, my course leader or whatever he was called, what, uh, he sort of like look after me. So um, each person was assigned someone when you're writing your um, dissertation. Yeah. And he took my work and he says, Andrew, I don't actually know what you, <laughs> your project's about. And I went, oh. So that was just the introduction. And then um, he said, you either go away and rewrite it or you really need to think about this. I'm, I'm sorry, make the, the audio cut out then. Oh, sorry, no. So he, he basically told me I need to go away and rewrite it or have a think. Yeah. Which obviously, for someone in my shoes, it was December... Uh, before I would have been finishing. So it's only seven months before I was due to finish. Yeah. Uh, and I was 
I had all the negative thoughts of quitting, <laughs> going, uh, going even more part-time. And in the end, I just knuckled down over Christmas, rewrote everything. And when I went back, he actually said, right, th- th- this is uh, amazing. Is this your work? <laughs> he actually started paid someone else to rewrite it. And I went, no, I just think I understand a bit better now. Mm. And literally, the last six months of my three years, my grade just went all the way to the top. It, so. it's, a, it's, a, it's a nice achievement. It's a nice feeling when, when it does pay off, when you put that effort in uh, and you're rewarded for it. Yeah. I don't know how you get there. Um, I don't know if it's different for me and you, me and you who did it late in life. Uh, is it much easier at 18? I would probably say so. I I don't think it would be. I think I yeah. think as a I think as a mature student, you've probably got the mindset more uh, for achieving because it's it, you're you're on a back foot as a as a mature student. Um, yeah. Well, often mature students go in with that mindset because. You know, education is, is for the young. It's like a continuation. And it's a journey that often uh, the younger generation experience. But we jump in sort of late on. I mean, I was 11 years out of education. Um, mm. And I went back into education. And I felt like I had to work harder to, to prove that I deserve to be there. Um, and I think that's the mentality of a lot of mature students. So we go in with the right intention we don't get um, distracted we don't get distracted by freshers week or social gatherings um you know we yeah. don't tend to blow our student finance on beer on a on a weekend and we don't wait till two weeks before deadline to to start the work <laughs> yeah that's right yeah yeah it's different into you it's yeah, it's life yeah. Years, isn't it? It, it? Yeah, it, it very much is. I mean, I went into it, I went into it twenty years after leaving school. Yeah. Um, so for me, my schooling one, <coughs> excuse me, my schooling one exactly perfect at all. So, I I actually felt a long way behind mm-hmm. um, the eighteen-year-olds who who'd done A levels. So I didn't know a lot of things, but I knew so much about life. Yeah. So I understood about putting the hard work in, turning up on time. If if an instructor told you it's student-led one this week, that's not an excuse not to turn up. <laughs> it's an excuse to prove to your colleagues that you, you can stand up and be that person. Yeah. Um, and I think all these sorts of things are, they're really good. So what we probably need is someone on here who's maybe 21 and just gone through it themselves. Yeah. And uh, So I'll, I'll work on that. I do know a couple of people. Uh, I've actually literally just been in touch with someone who I really like his work, and uh, he's into film photography. Very good. And he's, he's just passed with a first... Uh, photography. Uh, you really love his shot, actually. For his dissertation, he did a watch 
and he did something like 70 composite photos. It took him 20 hours. Wow. So he had like individual screws, uh, like in midair, like the floating away from the uh, watch. So you could see all the different parts and where everything went. It's a cracking actual shot. Yeah. And I think he uses a phase one. Oh, that'd be nice. Yeah, so I'm actually in talks with him about writing an article about it. About his image or the phase one? Uh, about the phase one, really, yeah. Because <laughs> it'd be interesting. Yeah. But, you know, like some, some at such high end, I think that'd be uh, good for everybody to see and hear about. Yeah, they're, they're very, very nice cameras. I've considered selling a kidney many times so I can get one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know what you're saying there. So we were discussing um, whether there's still a place um, for photography um, degrees, really. What do you think? I, th- I think uh, they're, they're door openers more than anything else. Um, as I said earlier with the whole catch... 22 uh, experience and, and qualification. Um, hmm. The a degree will get you in somewhere, um, and it's relevant for uh, the first uh, I, I don't know a, a few years to start with, and then once you've started down your career path, then it because you know it's just an afterthought. Um, but there is definitely relevance in having them because they will get you uh, jobs that you might not get otherwise. Um, you know, I, I know that some of some people I've been on courses with have worked for Channel Four, the BBC, um, and you won't get those jobs without a degree. Um, you know, it's not something that you can just jump into after picking up a camera and teaching yourself. Um, yeah. And, and that's what I mean. It's, it's a door opener that will launch a solid and stable career. Yeah. So are you saying that like these sort of opportunities could come about from even being on the course as well? Uh, it, it, that all depends on, on where you study, I suppose. Uh, okay. I know that when I was when I started my master's at Nottingham Trent, they organized work experience in several sort of large organizations. Um, yeah. Obviously, you're going in and you're all, you've already got the degree, you're going for a master's and you're there to work for a week or two, um, being the general dog's body. But I think with as with any job, if your face fits, then there would be an opportunity maybe after you've completed your master's to to go and work at these organizations. And I'm assuming it is probably the same no matter where you study. There are connections within those organizations that are open to students more so than maybe those that haven't been in that organization, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I think that's one of the big things with university life, isn't it, that for some reason someone might get on with a company or they might be keen on their services and hiring future university students. But yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I don't think that opportunity will exist for 
anyone um, who's not a student because why would it exist you, that yeah you know like us two for instance you're, you're you've now got your degree in photography and you practice and you teach teach it so someone like me I, I could go to the same job as you I'm not going to get the job as well because you've you've done the experience you've done your degree you've taught you, you've done your wedding photography you've done your portraiture you, you know you're rounded there's, there's so many great things there isn't there yeah i mean uh, that all comes down to to the job though and and of course it does yeah you know i i might be more suited to an academic position now because of the teaching experience than and somebody might consider me less relevant to i don't know be a, a studio manager for some fashion label they might go well you know you've been sat behind a desk and you've been teaching um mm. whereas you're actively participating and you're going out shooting regularly i don't have the time so therefore you're more current because you are out there shooting on a frequent basis um so it would it would solely depend on on the job i think yeah Oh yeah, you're definitely right. I, I know uh, you, your last point about uh, opening doors. Um, when I finished my degree, I spent about three months trying to get into the industry um, I trained in. Now that was a long, hard slog. So <laughs> I I had a fair bit of experience from doing the job sort of part time. Yeah, but, but I had to work voluntary three different times whilst I was still working to get some real life experience, get um, people to sort of back me and say, oh, you know, this guy's all right, actually. And then that started opening doors for me. Yeah. So then by the time I'd finished my degree uh, and I did well, people were then, well, let's have a look at this list. There's, uh, existing IT technicians, and then someone who wants to join the field, got experience, uh, a great degree. And then when you get in a room and, you know, you meet people like me and yourself, you realise, well, you know, we're not just tick boxes. We're, we're much more than that, aren't we? Oh, yeah, definitely. But it is it's getting to that point, isn't it, where, where you yeah. out if you're going to be getting on with someone. Yeah, and you don't always get that without something that really makes your personality um, you, yourself stand out because yeah. your personality is no good because at this point they don't know who you are do they no and I know so, I, I know that a lot of people that um, might listen to this will, will probably argue that well there are so many people going to university now and degrees are so common um, that they've lost relevance and I know that's that's yeah. Something that I said before I went and, and got a degree. <laughs> yeah. um, and I, I think it's kind of partly right. Um, but at the same time, you know, it, it, it comes back to the opening doors thing. Everybody does have, you know, everybody has a degree, but not everybody's got a two one. Not everybody's got a first. Um, and not everybody's been to certain universities because every university has its, uh, it's courses that they excel at that businesses will look for. Um, so, 
there is that argument that everybody's got one, but there is still a way of being able to separate yourself from within a crowd. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I, I think then that's down to personality, work ethic, and yeah. maybe just just how your brain ticks as well. You you, you might think differently. Oh, I, I yeah. agree. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I have to say, where the younger students that I was in class with, I was very jealous of their thinking. They, they would just seem to come up with some great ways. They'd be able to solve a problem so fast. They'd be able to look at a piece of work, not really pay any attention to it, and they got it <laughs> so fast. Uh, and I think that's quite hard as a mature student as well. Yeah, well, I mean, the thing is, we're set in our ways, aren't we? Yeah, uh, yeah. Our, we've we've slipped into a regimented way of thinking because we, we've already been in life um, and we've had sort of our creativity and our optimism and enthusiasm beaten out of us with bills and taxes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly, yeah. I mean... Uh, how many, you know, a nine, twenty-year-olds have to think about paying mortgages? Exactly. Uh, you know, buying a nappy for your child. It's just <laughs> so so different, into Um, but my peers and employers have always told me that's one of the big things in an interview. Um, and my boss still remembers like interviewing me, and just. Has openly said a few times to me, you know, I think what you did was amazing um, with with the time span, and, and, and I think that's really nice because yes, it was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life, and I don't think we can state how hard a degree is, can we? No, I, I mean, oh, yeah, the amount of times I almost jacked it in. And, yeah. and being a being a man in his thirties sitting at a computer desk crying because <laughs> because <laughs> nothing's going right. It's it's a terrible place to be, but uh, it was definitely hundred percent worth it. Yeah, it, it's the long game that you you have to learn. Um, you might have to wait three years for this thing to happen, but if you keep chipping away a bit of time, it's it'll get there, won't it? Yeah. Oh yeah. I think what one of the things I wanted to talk to you about was um, how is, uh, let's talk about, say, a day in, a, a day, uh, let's try and word this correctly, a day in the life of a photography student. So, you know, joining class, they're working with you. What, what's an everyday situation like? Do you know, it tends to be a lot of self-driven like independent work uh, okay. because the current way of thinking, especially in the arts is, you know, you can't engage students by getting them to stare at a whiteboard or a PowerPoint presentation and expect them to retain that information, uh, yeah. learn it. So it's all about uh, researching things for yourself, finding the right places to, to research from um, and, the term I hear myself using a lot is synthesizing the information. So getting all of that stuff that you've, you've been looking at and 
commonalities in it and then taking it into your own style mm-hmm. regurgitating it so that it fits the marking criteria um, okay. so, yeah it's, it's a lot of a lot of research is just as a photography student it's, it's more computer work you know you're researching photographers or artists you're researching techniques um, and then every once in a while we get to go in the studio and take pictures or we get to go <laughs> on location and take pictures mm-hmm. um, because you know, I, I mean I'm I currently teach level three uh, photography so I think that's um, an extended diploma okay and the students obviously came on on board as the most degree students thinking well it's a photography course there's going to be loads of photography mm-hmm. um, and yeah uh, in comparison, there's not an awful lot. There's just so much theory that goes that should go into your thinking before you take a picture. Yeah. Um, and you know, in regards of the technical choices, you know, what lenses. So you've got to understand your lens compression and barrels distortion, uh, pre-composing the the image. So being aware of your composition, and all these things have to be taught. Um, to you in theory before you can put them into practice. So there is a lot, a lot of theory work. Uh, but <coughs> after a while, it, like, as the course proceeds, it gets less and less because you've done it then and you're just refreshing and, and rehashing it as you go on. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that sort of sounds like, a, you know, any course in, in reality... Yeah, well, I mean, that's my thinking. I, I do remember being, you know, on the HND, Higher National Diploma, when I first started my education um, and thinking, hang on, I signed on to a photography course to do photography, not to learn about Dadaism and surrealism or post-modernist mm. expressionism. Um, <laughs> and yeah. I was a bit disheartened by it, but coming out of it the other side, it, it does all make sense because I do look back at all that information when I'm planning images now. Yeah. Because I think the easy part is actually taking the picture, but the creativity in creating the image and the thought yeah. process, that's always going to take the time going forward, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it, it should, but most yeah. of the time it doesn't. You know, a lot of us just pick up a camera, we know what we want to shoot or we have a loose idea in our head. So we go out and we start shooting. Um, and that's great. <coughs> and nobody's taken away from that. But the moment you start pre-planning and you start thinking of, you know, what's the intention behind this image? Is it just going to be a picture of a bowl of fruit? Is it just going to be a picture of a pretty girl? Is it just, you know, going to be mm-hmm. a portrait? And you start stepping beyond that and start thinking about, okay, what emotions am I going to portray and how am I going to portray that? What, what colours am I going to use? What lighting? Um, obviously, the effort steps up, but the, the end result, the end image will shine in comparison to, to what you did you know, a week before that you didn't plan. Yeah. yeah. I don't understand what you're saying. So... If you've got two people, someone who's self-taught and then someone who's um, been through the education, what what do you think the difference is 
Um, what chances would be in terms of, say, technical ability? Well, see, I don't think I don't think you could compare um, because there are so many photographers out there, so many really successful and creative and, and truly inspiring photographers that have never gone into education. I don't think um, that everybody needs it. Um, yeah. But I, 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 you know, there are always going to be people that are born into an art form. There are always going to be people born to paint, people born to take pictures. You know, yeah. If, um, but for the mere mortals like myself and probably some of the listeners, getting that education gets you on that step rather to, to achieving that. Some people find it easy. Some people are self-taught and, and they understand colour and, and they get um, how to use it. Whereas yeah. I never did. When I, when I was self-taught, I was, I was a standard photographer. I was pretty good. Um, I felt proud of my work when I was creating it. Um, but I never really understood how to use colour um, the way that I can understand it now. Or I knew the basics of what you know, low-key lighting would give me a moody image and high-key mm. would be bright and vibrant. But there's so much more to it that some people just get naturally. Um, but I, I had to learn that in education. Yeah. So I don't. I, yeah. So the I, the question was like, will there be a difference? And I I just don't think there will. And it completely comes down to the individual. Um, with education, you have you know a year to two, three years, or however long you decide to stay, to refine those skills and to have constant feedback from people that know. Um, and people that are, are there to see you grow and get better. Um, obviously, self-taught, you don't have that. You have family and friends. Um, we can't always rely on our family and friends to be <laughs> critical um, because they don't want to upset. And then you've got Facebook and Instagram. Well, I don't think that Facebook, Instagram is a conducive environment for photography because it's, it's all instant gratification, and it's that chasing of likes, um, and I, I don't. I think that damages photography more than it will benefit you as a photographer because you get stuck into following other people's trends. You see something gets a lot of attention, so you end up shooting like that, and then the trend changes, so you shoot like that. Whereas, mm. when, after coming out of education, you're able to see the underlying elements of those trends. And then you can use those in your own way. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. I think the the massive difference, you know, with, with self-taught. Um, for, I think the biggest problem for a lot of people with self-learning is how could you actually improve without the knowledge? So, let's say, for instance, I picked up a guitar and I started practicing a few chords. I thought, oh, I'm getting good. But then if someone listened, you'd see eventually that work would actually not improve because you've got no one to teach you how to improve or there might be one little step that you need. Yeah. And I think that's a massive thing where in education, you've got that extra person, you've got a peer, haven't you? Yeah. All, all parts. 
that you're doing this wrong. Um, why don't you change this? Um, yeah, I mean, not, not only not only do you have the tutors, but also you've got the community that hopefully you will create within the classroom. So all the rest yeah. of the students. Um, I know that when I was studying, it we would all bounce ideas off of each other. Um, you know, we'd mm. look at how everybody else was working and be really jealous. Um, and but we'd we'd bounce ideas, we'd share information, we'd share research, and we'd talk and, and help each other grow. So it's not just the the tutors and stuff, but it's it's everybody that's in that same environment as you. They're, they're all there for the same reason, and hopefully, you know, you're in a good good group and you gel well, and then you, you're in a able to help each other move uh, grow even. Yeah. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Um, I think it's quite hard sometimes because if you're not around these people, so if you say just self-taught photographer, you haven't got that peer, you haven't got a large number of people around you immediately, every day, that can see the improvement or make changes because you've got, say, friends like we are, but how, how many times could you literally meet up and, and teach me something or I teach you something it's just not real is it no it's not and and we we as photographers tend to be a bit um I, I don't want to use the word but clicky um you know we, yeah, right. we don't get on very well with other photographers we're, we're very protective of our own work we feel that yeah. we feel threatened by others um it shouldn't be that way but it quite often is and that's something Obviously, as a as a self taught photographer on your own, going through it and trying to improve, that you you don't have that community because we are separate and we're all taking our journey on our own as self taught. Um, and it's we have groups on Facebook, but even then, you know, they can be bitchy and clicky. Yeah. And so, yeah, it it just it's not the same. There's a there's a big there's a big gap between between the two. I think. Yeah, and I think that's a positive thing for university and higher education, isn't it? Yeah, in my eyes, at least. No, I, I think for me as well. Uh, although it wasn't with photography, I, I, I can see the benefit without a doubt. Um, I'm not saying it'd be worth it for everybody either, because say you've already got a degree and you're taking up photography, I think to step into doing a degree or um, whatever the equivalent of H and C and D is now, I think that's a massive step, isn't it? Yeah, I mean it's a it's a huge commitment in regards to time and mm. as well as finances as well because they're they're not cheap. Um, so I think it, yeah, if you've already got one, unless you feel like it's essential to get you into a specific job role um then you know you've already got that grounding in education to think critically at the very least uh, and how to disseminate information from from what's out there um yeah no that's fair enough so i mean you've touched there on obviously the money and this is going to be a massive thing for everybody. So how do we justify a minimum, say, £30,000? 
There is no justification. There is absolutely no justification for it whatsoever. Um, And this is, I think this is my my left wing bit coming out. But (laughs) I, I, I just don't think we should have to pay anywhere near that amount. Now, I mean, the problem is that, you know, universities and colleges are for-profit organisations, which means that the quality of education in most universities and most colleges comes secondary. Um, They want to be good and they want to provide quality content and quality courses, but they have targets to reach and money to raise. Um, so, and, and, and I don't think those two go side by side. You shouldn't be running education with, for profit. It's, it's there yeah. for the betterment of society as a whole, um, yeah. not to make money from. Um, yeah, so I just, I, I strongly uh, believe that there's no justification for, you know, £30,000 uh, student debt at the end of three years are just it's just unfair and it cripples um generations of of students yeah and i think that's realistically that's only a minimum yeah Um, because you're gonna have overdrafts you're probably gonna have a bit of accommodation uh, to fork out for as well and probably you're gonna have a part-time job without a doubt now Mm -hmm. so i mean we're both fathers. What do we say to our 17-year-old children when they reach that age, when they're asking us the question? Because I've already thought about this. Yeah. Um, it's scary, isn't it? I, just, I hope that by that point, Labour have won an election and uh, we don't have to be shooting loads of you know, uh, <laughs> tuition anymore. Uh, come on, Jeremy Corbyn. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I mean... My my eldest daughter Jessica is eighteen. Um, she's in college at the moment, but no doubt she will want to be going to a performing arts university. Okay. Uh, and even though I am a lecturer, I only you know work part time, so funds are limited. Um, but to enable Jessica to have an education, we'll we'll scrimp and scrape and and make do the same way we did when I was still in education. So, you know, yeah. it's, it's sad that we have to put ourselves at a financial disadvantage. Um, but if it means the, the betterment of, you know, our children's lives, then obviously it's, it's a hundred percent worth it. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I was talking to um, a guy called Nick from Greece uh, the other night. And he's doing a chemistry degree, really good photographer. Um, I'll, I'll send you a link to his stuff. Yeah, uh, and um, he's going on to do a master's, and it's completely free. So we were chatting about university, and uh, he just, I think he, he totally had a, such a bad opinion of England from this, from an educational point of view. And uh, what can I say? Yeah. Um, we go across the border, don't we, to Scotland, and it's free there. Yeah. Yeah, and, and we used to pride ourselves on our education system and, you know, how quality it was 
uh, with universities like Oxford, Cambridge. Um, and you could go anywhere with an English degree and get a job anywhere in the world. Um, and I just, yeah, it's, it's just a shame to see the education system fall much like the NHS has fallen. Um, but this isn't a political debate. This is this is a <laughs> discussion. <laughs> Where will I end up there? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's. I, I think for anyone who's maybe not from the UK, listen to this. Uh, it's it's more like the American system where you, you're going to fund it and you're going to have debt, or your parents are going to pay for it. Um, so the only other way in this country is you basically borrow the money. And then when you start an education and at a certain point of income, you start paying it back in dribs and drabs for the rest of your life. Yeah. Like myself and uh, I assume, are you just under at the minute, Steve? At the moment, I'm just under until until I manage to get myself a full-time contract. Yeah. But for me, it's I mean, it's already 40 to 50 quid a month. Mm-hmm. And I just think, God... It's that's going nowhere at that. No, no, it takes a very, very long time to get rid of it. Yeah, because most of the time, you know, paying minimum contributions, you're paying off the interest, aren't you, and not the actual debt. So, yeah, yeah, which is a very strange um, thing to do. I, I don't know, you know, if if you wanted a car, you've got to pay interest, but this is our own government, which if we do well in education, you hope at some point in life and society we give back. Yeah, well, we do. Even, even, mm. as, even as a student, you're still paying tax um, on, on everything that you consume. And by getting that degree and getting uh, a salary that's you know, £30,000 a year, then you're paying tax on that 30000 So it's in the interest of the government to enable that education so that they can reap a reward in the future. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm involved with um, schools through my job, and I've actually seen a massive decline in budgets, Mm -hmm. uh, and I can see schools are struggling, and I I think it's like a, a big worry. So, you know, if I see primary schools struggling, what's happening to the likes of where you teach? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I can't, I can't really talk for the college. Um, no, no, of course I, not. I don't know, don't know too much about what goes behind behind the scenes. Um, but I mean, I, you know, it's always the arts that go first in this situation. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, for for example, teacher training, um, you used to be able to get bursaries um, to train to be a teacher because obviously they were encouraging people to become teachers Um, and now you know you can get a bursary or you can get salaried position but most of them are maths english science um that's right and you know there are there just are no bursaries for the arts um it's very towards the bottom of that list of of important subjects which is a shame it's a very big shame yeah yeah, I think that's just arts in general, isn't it? Yeah. Um, no matter what part of government or business it is, they're always last. Um, 
It's something I've never appreciated before either. I think until I started my, my sort of photography journey, I was like, yeah, you know, what's what's the point in a painting or a sculpture when people haven't got homes? Yeah. It, it's it's really, I think it morally it's very very hard discussion, isn't it? Um, I it depends on whether you put value on the creation of art, um, or valuing art itself to enabling someone to create and to be creative is different to saying that a particular you know uh, Jackson Pollock is worth three and a half million pounds. Um, you know, that's absurd. Whereas people being able to use art to express and to communicate um, is, is important. You know, that's, a, that's part of society is being able to uh, create and express individuality. Um, yeah. Also, it's, and in this day and age, it's about the ability to read art and, and to read media because we're surrounded by billions and billions of images on a daily basis. Everybody's taking photos. There's pictures on everything with billboards, bus stops, your phone, you know, in shop windows, and they all have messages in them. They're all trying to tell you, you know, this product will make you happy or it will make your life better or, um, you know, or whatever the, the meaning is behind that image. And, mm -hmm something that's lacking in um, the current generations, like younger generations, is the, the ability to understand that an image is an advertisement or a, you know, yeah. a video is an advertisement. And the, the fact that it's not real and it has a message and it's, it's trying to tell, communicate that this particular message to you. So, and the arts enables you to understand and read an image. Um, so you can decide for yourself rather than being led blindly by somebody who has an arts degree and knows how to use all these different elements to make you feel a certain way. Yeah, right, yeah. Yeah, some very clever stuff. Uh, I think it's hard for the layman. Um, and I think that's why the arts are a very, very different field. Yeah, and and I think that's why they're so exciting to people like us. What one of the things I was wondering about um, with photography classes then are they tailored to one area of photography, or is there such things as general ones? Or but yeah, um, again that is down to I think the level that you're studying at and the course that you go on. So. Mm. Um, the course that I teach is an extended diploma in photography. So okay. that, that covers the basics um, and you explore film photography. So you learn how to shoot it, develop it, scan it or print it in a dark room. Uh -huh. um, and then they'll explore different areas and different genres of photography. So you know, early on in the year, it will be like we're going to do documentary or we're going to do portraiture or we'll do studio photography. And within that, you'll do still life or portraits or fashion or whatever. And then as you progress, you have the ability to become more specific. Uh, okay. 
So, and that goes for the level three course as a whole, but I think as like all courses all the way up to master's PhD, I think the higher you go, the more specific you become into like, yeah. a specialist area. I know that um, when I did my degree, I went from you know, a general outlet to pushing everything towards fashion because that was where I wanted to go. Yeah. Um, so even though it was a photography degree, um, like a, a degree in photography even, I was able to specialise it within that or I could have just done it open-ended and, and explored lots of different avenues. Um, when I went over to the Masters at Nottingham Trent, I did commercial photography rather than photography because mm -hmm. the photography course was more open-ended and more geared towards photography as the art form, whereas the commercial photography was, you know, photography as a business. Um, so you specified in that whether you wanted to do studio or whether you wanted to do like product and, and advertising sort of work. Okay. So, so that's good for, for anyone who's thinking about it, that there are ways to specialise. I'm pretty sure people at the beginning won't know anything, will they? I don't know. I think I, I, when I started, I went in with an idea. Yeah. Uh, I was, I, yeah, I was going to be a wedding and portrait photographer. And then <laughs> and I realised I didn't like doing weddings. Uh, yeah. And then it became about fashion because, you know, fashion and portraiture really go sort of hand in hand. Um, so I think a lot of people go in with an idea of what they enjoy and what they'd like. But I think when they come out, more often than not, that vision has changed, even <laughs> if it's only slightly. I think you know that going through that journey changes the way that you think. And the, the, the thing is that doing it as a course sucks all the fun out of it. Right. Because you're not doing it for yourself. You're doing it to have it marked. Yeah. Uh, um, now, you know, I shouldn't, probably shouldn't be this honest if it, this is about encouraging people to go into to education. Um, <laughs> but it does, it, su it sucks all the fun out of it because you don't get to just do it when you want to do it or just shoot what you want to do uh, mm. because you have marking criteria to meet. Now, you can aim projects in a direction that you want, but if you are all about portrait photography in a studio it's very hard to do a documentary or you know um reporting project on yeah. on photography in a studio um so yeah it, it kind of sucks all the fun out of it um but then by having that separation to it you then become aware of actually what it is that you enjoy doing a lot more so it yeah, is yeah. to focus. Well, then I would say, you know, say you're a wedding photographer, you you might you might stop enjoying your photography full stop because mm -hmm. you're only doing one thing. Yeah. And, and to be fair, most of the wedding photographers I know actually love love that, but they don't get opportunities to do the other stuff. Yeah. Which I I get to do so. There's definitely good and bad either way, to be honest. Yeah, right. I agree with you there, 100%. Yeah. Um, 
from your perspective then, how hard is it to actually teach? Because obviously you've been on the other end. You've been the inexperienced person. Yeah. Um, I don't I mean, I'm still quite fresh. I've only been teaching hmm. uh, for a year, so it's all still very new and exciting. Yeah. Um, and I would say it's, it's not that hard to teach. It's, you know, um, having to sort of get on at students that aren't hitting deadlines and, and all the, the responsible roles of, like, paperwork, registers and, and all the data profiling and, and things like that that are yeah. the hard elements. But once when you're in a class and you're just talking about photography or you're in a studio or you're on a location and you're showing people how to do stuff, then it's easy. It's fun. Um, yeah. Because you're doing what you're passionate about and you're expressing that passion to the students. So hopefully that comes through and they're engaged. It doesn't always work like that. I've had quite a few classes where I've just been stared at with like glazed over eyes. Uh, <laughs> but you, you just have to keep keep at it and, and try and find ways to get past that and in, engage them. Um, so the, the teaching role itself isn't hard. It, it sh I don't think it should be hard. I think it should be easy and it should be enjoyable. But it's all the responsibilities that come alongside it and all the paperwork and and that that really makes the job very complicated. Yeah, I, I think um, teaching in general has changed in that sense. Um, it's been, from from what I can see, it's become a lot more target driven. It uh, does, yeah. It's it's all about numbers, ticks, uh, ticks and boxes, and and maybe not as about each individual learner as it maybe once was, or that it maybe should be. Yeah, and, and I think that's not going to change anytime soon either. No. <laughs> but I, I think if you're a student from this part of you, you've really got nothing to worry about because everything's on your side. Um, a university has to help you. A college, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> sorry about that. Um, everyone there has to help you because... It's in their interests and their financial interests and, and their records to get you through. So it's not like you sat at home doing a course where it, you're by yourself. Yeah. So I think in a way for the student, it's become better and better. It's just harder for a teacher, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, nobody puts anybody on a course with the intention, from, with the knowledge that they're not going to achieve. Yeah. Um, and it's you will only get help as much as you as the effort you put in so if you're going to sit back and skate by then chances are you'll you'll probably get looked over more so than other students that come in and, and want to learn and, and want to engage with the course um, yeah. and it's all about you as a person and, and whether you want to take from it because the, the information is there the, the experience is there and it's your job to be a sponge as a student and just take as much as you can in um, to, and then process it afterwards, I think. Yeah, uh, I agree, yeah, that's spot on. Um, 
So if we move away now from yeah. education, um, colleges and establishments, what other ways have you tried in the past to educate yourself with photography? Oh, um, do you know, I, even, even today, I tell my students that there are hundreds of hours of quality videos on YouTube and they're all free. Um, I I can't sing the praises of some of the guys and and girls on YouTube that are putting out content because I even now I I go to YouTube to learn new editing techniques or to learn better ways of doing the ones that I have been doing. Um, Mm. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's there. You can do it in your own time. You know, if you want to work alongside a video, you pause, you work on Photoshop, you unpause. Um, So I, I really rate YouTube. Because it's like being in a one-on-one classroom, just at, at distance. You can't ask that many questions, but you have that step-by-step instruction. Yeah. Um, and then just shooting, just go out and shoot, make mistakes. Um, it's important to make mistakes. It's even more important not to repeat them. <laughs> um, so it's, it's okay to make a mistake, but you have to learn from it and figure out what went wrong and then try not to repeat that error um yeah no i agree uh, i think my number one would be youtube as well um but there's a there's a few people like cal taylor coming through now isn't there yeah. so, um, what's your I, thoughts on people like that uh i like carl taylor um i like oh let's well, I, I can't even think of anybody's anybody's name at the moment. Um, Scott Kelby's another one. I actually met oh, yeah. Scott Kelby very briefly at the photography show in 2014. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, well, I, I had a bit of a, a fangirl moment and got a bit giddy because to me he was <laughs> like a celebrity. I've got his, <laughs> I've got his photography how-to books and stuff and I'd watched hours and hours of his videos. So I, I got a bit like all excited. And I was like, "Hello, Mr. Kelby," and he just <laughs> looked at me as if I was if I was deranged, um, and I probably looked a little bit deranged to be honest. But uh, that's that's one of my claim to fame. Is I'm <laughs> um, so yeah. I mean, there are some prominent figures, um, but you tend to find that as they get gain more prominence, they tend to release less information for free. Yeah, um, and it's all about books. It's all about um, you know, tutorial videos that are purchased. Um, and I, I, I think there's a lot of people like ourselves that have got some form of specialism that we, we know about and that we are really quite competent at that, that share information on YouTube readily. So it's nice to look at these these people that have achieved, achieved prominence on, on YouTube and within the industry, but don't forget other people as well. It's like having a conversation with a friend who knows a different technique to you. Just because they're not YouTube famous doesn't mean they don't know what they're talking about. So have a look at a wide range of content because the way that somebody teaches on YouTube might fit somebody else and not fit you. So, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean, in that instance, um, Obviously, you've talked about through university, you're looking at books, you're going to look at famous authors. 
my argument is Henry Carter can't teach you anything because he's not alive. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. So why not look at someone who's still alive and doing this stuff? Um, you know, f- from your field. Yeah. So yeah. maybe they are too busy to engage with you. And I know some of the street photographers um, I've always looked at sell sort of resources now or they do workshops because they're just too busy yeah but... oh workshops this is this is something that's really popular at the moment <clears throat> they're just so ridiculously overpriced yeah um and I, I think you know i know that everybody wants to be a, well i say everybody wants to be a photographer but you know photography is booming everybody has a smartphone everybody takes pictures and more and more people are starting to take it seriously um, so there is money to be made, but I I would begrudge paying a thousand pound for a, a, a twenty four hour well an eight hour workshop or you know a two day workshop where it's two eight hour sessions and probably the first morning is going to be somebody talking about their portfolio and their successes mm. um, and you're coughing over anywhere from five hundred to over a thousand pound to be in the same room as somebody that you consider to be famous um i think it's i think it's close to extortion <laughs> yeah yeah i agree yeah so so um I, I listen to a lot of podcasts now and on one of them someone said something that has just stayed with me it's people make people famous there's yes. no such thing as f- f- um, fame no so you know, we we make me and you make each other fame by talking about ourselves to other people. So, this is what you should do, isn't it? it yeah, well, it is. It is people you know. Yes, hundred percent. And and the people that you trust with their knowledge and experience, and you know, this is why I've involved you. I, I want people I trust. It is important to respect those before you. Oh, 100%, 100%, because they, they've laid down the path that you're walking on. Yeah. Um, you know, it, 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 even going back to, like, uh, Cartier-Bresson, mm. you know, it's people like that that, that have given photography importance. Um, and, it's, you know, David Bailey and, and photographers from the 60s transformed the way that pictures were taken. They didn't transform the technology, just the messages and, and the style. So yeah. everybody that's come before you and that's been successful has added something to the space. And you, you do have to respect that. Uh, we discussed Nick Turpin, so very, very modern. He's still with us, still, still photographer. And then, like you say, if you go back to Henry, um, you'll see massive differences in work. You've got a digital camera versus a film camera. You've got uh, a one lens man at 50 mil against someone who's probably shooting over 200 mil. (laughs) I've seen he, um, he did it in London and he did it on a first floor, um, sort of area looking across the road at the buses. So it was was fantastic photos, mate. It's a great, great book. I'll show you it sometime. Um, yeah, but to me, it's not street photography because he was nowhere near, nowhere near the people. Yeah. So, so my interpretation was that 
I went out to try it. Where we live, it's nearly impossible. I was the only person on the street. There was one bus and about two people on it. <laughs> so I just looked like some weird peeping Tom looking through a window. Yeah. So it was a very, very different experience. Um, <laughs> you can see, you're picturing it now, are you? Yeah. Andy's getting in trouble again. Um, <laughs> but <coughs> I think it's good to use all these people because you see where they did it, what time of year it was, what decade it was, what equipment they had. Um, yeah. Maybe what life was like, history was like. So these are the sort of things that are going to be important to your work. Yeah, all of it, all of it will influence you as a photographer, even whether it's uh, a conscious decision to to take an element that somebody else has done and, and use it for yourself or twist it, or whether it's just subconsciously, you know, appreciating black and white high contrast images. And, you know, that's because of all of the really good high contrast black and white images that you've seen from historical photographers and contemporary photographers. So whether it's conscious or not, it will still affect your work. Yeah, I mean, when I talk about Nick Turpin with his bus, so what I did there was, I thought, why don't I just do this on the high street? Um, mm -hmm. Take a day where it's rained, but it's quite hot. So obviously, the say, cafe windows will steam up. Yeah. Cafes are the best place, so there's a... There's an area in town that's got a couple of cafes next to each other. So I just walked there and I got a, a series of three shots, all with different people, steamed up window, but you could see what the people were doing. Yeah. And they're actually some of my favourite shots. And I, I, I love taking stuff like that. And that was Nick's influence. Yeah. I didn't do the same. We used very different technology. Yeah. Uh, and even I shot one of them on film as well, actually. On the Bronico, or? Um, yeah, I think it was, mate, yeah. Hey. So, that that's where I think your photography can go up another level, is um, swap your camera out. Try something on film. Uh, change your settings on your digital camera. Uh, and, yeah. You know, Change your oh, lens, isn't it? Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna say like restrict yourself to a lens. Mm. Um or you know, if you really if you really want to push yourself, stop using like for a short period of time, stop using your digital camera and start shooting solely with your smartphone. Because yeah. that will give you a real appreciation of everything that's jam packed into that digital SLR. <laughs> oh god, yeah. I've been trying out a um high-end, um, full-frame uh, mirrorless. And oh, is it uh, one of the Sonys? Yeah, and I hate it. Really? Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, I don't like saying it, but I, I feel like giving it back. I prefer my 13-year-old DSLR. Yeah. Uh, and I'm just wondering if I am actually a DSLR man. It's taken mm. me a while to find out. And it's like a mirrorless, so it's not um, yeah. you know, anti-mirrorless either. See, I've not I've not used the mirrorless yet. Um, mm. A lot of a lot of the people that I've spoken to about them rave about them. Oh, they're amazing! Um, Absolutely amazing what you can do. I 
I really like the weight and size and the feel of a digital SLR. Um, you know, it, it, it's a strange thing to say, but having a DSLR makes me feel like a photographer. I don't know whether <laughs> I would feel the same way if I was carrying around like a Fujifilm or you know one of the the Sony A series, um, because they're just so small, compact. I mean, yes, they are a lot closer to thirty-five mil sort of size and weight. But I, there's just something to be said about holding a, a digital SLR with a big clunky lens on it. That's the end of the show for today. I hope you all enjoyed that. I want to thank you all very much for listening. Um, please say a big thanks to Stephen at Fez. Don't forget to check out his uh, Instagram feed. Um, I really do appreciate your time there, Stephen. And I know we had quite a few technical difficulties. Hopefully I'll be able to get the mind out, ready for the next one. Thanks a lot. Bye. That's the end of the show. Thank you very much for listening. If you want to come back again, please do subscribe. You can do that on Anchor, iTunes, Overcast or any of the other apps. Uh, I look forward to seeing you again. If you want to see what's happening uh, with my photography, please do check out my Instagram account, which is vlogger.co.uk. And again, if you want to see uh, anything else I'm doing, please check out my website, which is vlogger.co.uk, which was P-H-L-O-G-G-E-R.co.uk. Thanks again for listening, everyone. Bye.